Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, friends. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, it is good to, to be with you uh, again this morning. And I just want to just uh, reiterate, just encouraging you guys to come on out to the Journey to Easter Life Groups when we lock those in. Those are going to be really good. Uh, Jimmy McKee and myself have been working on creating the, the sermon series and then the, the small group curriculum that that's going to be uh, based on um, together over the last three or four months. And uh, it's getting down to the wire. We should finish that up. Uh, but it's going to be really, really good. And uh, it's going to be great just to, to sit down with one another and get to know each other better. Uh, it's just easier to do that sometimes in a living room than it is to do on, on Sunday morning, though we do pretty good here. So, Awesome. Well, today we are continuing our series called Maxed Out, Making Space for Meaning in a Busy Life. And last week, uh, if you were here with us, we talked about the importance of finding our identity in Jesus Christ alone and, and pursuing him in the secret place, which allows him to, to pour his love and to pour his life into us. And today, the sermon is called Times of Refreshing, and I use that, that title because it sounds so pleasant, but we're going to talk about sin today. <laughs> but I wanted people to show up, so we call it Times of Refreshing. No, it's, uh, it's an encouraging word, I, I think, but uh, yeah, it's important that we talk about sin. And sin, just uh, we'll go right to the basics, right? It means to miss the mark, all right? And the, the mark in, in this case is the standard of perfection established by Jesus, all right? That's the mark. That's what we're shooting for. Uh, And so if that is the goal, we might be in big trouble, right? Uh, Because Jesus lived a sinless and and perfect life, and that is the the goal for our lives. Um, And the bad news, that this is the goal, but the, the, the bad news is that humanity has a sin problem, we were created good. We, uh, God spoke over us. Uh, we were the, the humanity was the, the final day of creation. He said, it is very good. But then we see depicted in chapter 3 of Genesis, humanity rejects God. And sin comes in and it breaks us. It corrupts us. Now, because of that, we have a bent against God. We live our lives as the center of the universe, the center of everything. We are born into sin. And sin maxes us out, to use the the words of our series, right? It it makes us feel overwhelmed. It makes us feel stressed out. It makes us feel like we're always struggling to get by, where we feel empty, alone, depressed, weary, whatever it is. And then we use more sin to try to numb the effects of sin in our life. It's a devastating downward circle. And sin maxes us out because it separates us from God. God is intended to be our source, our source of of life, our source of joy, our source of hope. He's supposed to be our source of identity, our source of comfort, all these good things that we are all looking for, the things that we're all running after, Jesus is the source of that. 
And life in the kingdom of God is supposed to be beautiful and refreshing and lovely. It's supposed to be, uh, I think it's kind of depicted in in Psalm 23. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so the kingdom of God, being in the presence of God, is supposed to be refreshing and relaxing, like this psalm pictures. And I tried to find a, a picture. And it wasn't quite what I had in my mind. In my mind, there's, the hills are kind of rolling, and there's, there's, there's daisies, and there's sunshine. But it's this, the idea, right, is that in the presence of God, He is our fountain of life, and we can find refreshment and peace in His presence. And this is how we were created to, to tap into life, to live life, to live life out of the source, which is God. But sin separates us from this, right? Sin always is destructive. Sin always is corrupting. Sin is always stealing life. And so instead of being plugged into our source, right, we are thrown out into a desert. We're thrown out into something like this. So Amber and I are, uh, last season I forced her to, to watch season 35 of Survivor. It was the first time we'd watched Survivor. And, uh, and I really liked it, like excessively. I really enjoyed it. Um, and so then once it was over, I, uh, we're Amazon Prime members, and so you can watch some of the, the previous seasons for, for free. Well, kind of for free. And so we watched season one, and it was great, and now we're watching season three. And in season three, normally, let's see, they're, they're sent out to like some island somewhere and it's jungly and tropical and, and they're trying to do life out there. Well, in season three, they're sent to the eastern African savanna and they're out in this kind of desert wilderness. There's just scrub brush and it's hot and it's kind of miserable out there. There's just a few little sparse trees. There's lions and elephants and these weird ox buffalo, bison thing, I don't know what they are, uh, and this kind of dangerous, and there's no water. They have to, to, to survive, right? They have to make fire, which is very difficult, and then they have to go down to this watering hole in order to, to get water so that they can take it back and boil it because it's full of bacteria and dung and gross stuff, and, and then even when they, when they boil it, it's tastes gross, I guess. It had a taste kind of like turpentine, and this one girl was throwing up because it was so gross, and she needed water, but she couldn't drink the water, and it was just this nasty thing. And so it, this is the idea. This is the picture, right? When we are thrown into sin, when we reject our source, we are out in the wilderness trying to meet our own needs, and there's nothing around to meet those needs. And so we're just scraping by to survive out in the desert. It reminds me, when Amber and I, I'm just going to tell stories about me and Amber today. Amber and I, went, we got married some time ago, 20, 20, 21 years ago. It's good, neither of us know. Uh, so, uh, so 21 years ago, and it, we got married at the end of July, June, the end of June, and we went to uh, Florida for our, for our honeymoon. 
And while we were there, and there was a nice pool, and so it was refreshing, but it was really hot. It's really hot in Florida at the end of June. And one day, we went to SeaWorld uh, to, to, see the, to see SeaWorld, and it was... It was miserable. Like we were walking around, we were just sweating, and we found uh, the manatee exhibit was underground and air conditioned. And so we would we would just spend lots of time watching the lovely manatees, and we'd step out for a minute, and like, no, let's stay, let's stay in here where it's refreshing and cool. Oh yeah, this is nice. We'll just stay here, right? And that is what we are called to do. We're called to to stay in the presence of God where it's lush and refreshing and there's manatees and it's wonderful so there's manatees so we're going to look at um acts chapter three today uh where peter who is one of the first followers of jesus in the central character of the first half of acts uses this word it's the only time it's actually used in the new testament that we translate refreshing all right, the times of refreshing in 319, which we'll get to in a, in a minute, but it means a refreshing coolness after heat. And so, so Peter is inviting the, these people and teaching us that even though we are lost out in our sin in the desert where it's miserable and hot and where we cannot find relief, we are invited in to this, this oasis of joy, this place of of true peace and comfort where we can find our identity, where we can finally rest and be refreshed. And so that's what we're going to look into today here at Acts chapter 3. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles, or I've got it up on the, on the screen here. And just to give you a little context, the book of Acts is this great little book that bridges two parts of the New Testament from the, the first four books, the Gospels of Jesus Christ that tell the, the story of the life and death, resurrection of Jesus. Uh, then we have the book of Acts that tells of the, the birth and the rise of the early church and how the, the Christ followers, who were predominantly a group of faithful Jews, how that grew into, uh, to in, include all the, the Gentiles. The book of Acts, if we follow the story, shows how the, the, the gospel, the, the good news of, of Jesus, started in Jerusalem and then it spreads to Judea and Samaria, which are the, the territories around there, and then to the ends of the earth. And that's kind of the story of Acts. And so we're right here at the beginning. This is after Pentecost, after Jesus pours the Holy Spirit out and everybody's like, these people are drunk and Peter's preaching and thousands of people are getting added to the church. Uh, Now they are walking the streets. I'm just going to read, oh, I didn't put it on there. I'm going to read Acts 3.10 just because it's such a good story and it leads right into what we're really talking about today. So I don't have a slide, so you can just listen. It's story time says, chapter 3, verse 1, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Amazing. It's an amazing story. Right? Peter and John, these disciples of Jesus, they, they are out boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. Right? They're, not, they're not hiding anymore. A few weeks before this, they were locked in an upper room, terrified that the same thing that happened to Jesus, that they're going to get crucified, that they're going to get murdered, right? that they're going to be arrested by the chief priests and the, 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 the religious leaders. They're, they're hiding and they're nervous. They're like, how do we get out of here? What are we going to do? And now they're out in the streets, in the very temple, right? The, the backyard, so to speak, of the people that, that crucified Jesus. And they're boldly proclaiming his name. And so then we get to our text for today. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. And so Peter takes this opportunity. All of these Jews are gathering around because they know this guy for years and years, for this guy's entire life. I read one commentary where they assumed that he was... He had been at that gate for 30, 35, 40 years. He'd begged there. And so these people recognized him. And they're like, what is going on? What has happened? And so Peter, no longer scared, boldly proclaims the gospel, boldly proclaims Jesus to these people. And he says, uh, don't be surprised, right? This is the doing of the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. And he has glorified his servant Jesus. Right? And, and this, when he uses this language, when he says he's glorified his servant Jesus, because he was talking to a group of devout Jews, referring to Jesus in this way would have immediately reminded them of the suffering servant that was prophesied in, Ezekiel, um, in Isaiah 52 and 53. Right? And I've just got some of the, the things that it says there in Isaiah says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. says he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God. It says my, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted and highly exalted. He will be raised up on the cross. He will be lifted from the dead and he will be highly exalted, exalted in his ascension. This is a, a picture of Jesus and this is what these people had seen with their very eyes. Peter is saying this is, is the one that we've been waiting for, the one that we've been crying out for. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets that we hold so dear. He was the one. And so then Peter continues in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 3.14. He says, basically, do you, 
And you guys remember what happened to Jesus, the, the servant of God, the Holy One, the Messiah? Oh, that's right. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. Right? This is so bold. This is, to, to me, one of the, the greatest apologetics for our faith is the, the transformation of these disciples who were so scared and hiding that they're now willing to give their lives for the name of Jesus. He said, you guys handed Jesus over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Peter says, you disowned the holy and righteous one. The holy one, he's set apart by God. He was sanctified. He was chosen for a special purpose. He was the righteous one. He was sinless, perfectly, ethically, morally upright. And you handed him over to be killed. Even when Pilate, who was the, the governor that we read about in the Gospels, in, in Luke's account of the, the trial of Jesus, uh, Pilate says, you know what, I don't see that this, that this Jesus has done anything wrong and I will, because it's the feast day, I'll release either Barabbas, this convicted murderer, or I will, uh, I will let Jesus go. And they, they, the, the chief priests, and they, they stir up the crowd, and they turn everybody against Jesus, and they say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Right? And Peter's saying, you people in this crowd listening to me right now, you are the ones that cried out, crucify him. The blood of Jesus is on your hands harsh and peter goes on and he says in in verse 15 right he says you killed the author of life i just love that that contrast that that peter gives us or the author luke gives us here right you chose to allow a murderer to go free one who destroys and takes life is free while the the author of life you condemn Right? And an author uh, of life here can also be translated and sometimes is translated in the New Testament as the source, our source of life. You cast off your source. You rejected him. He goes on, but God raised him from the dead. And this is the, the constant proclamation of the early apostles in the early church. Not that, that Jesus died on a cross, but that Jesus is alive. Right? And that, that you saw this happen. You experienced it. There's, you can talk. If you didn't see it yourself, you can talk to 500 or more people that encountered the resurrected Jesus. Jesus is alive. The person that you killed, God brought to life. And it would be easy for us to kind of read this, and I have to admit that I've read it at, at times where I'm like, man... I can't believe they did that. It's ridiculous. How, how could they do that? Didn't they understand? Didn't they, they see? Didn't they know who Jesus was? 
right? Or we can't just kind of blow through this as just kind of an interesting historical text uh, telling the this, this story of the, the rise of, of the church and what happened to, to Jesus. But we need to remember that we, here in 2018, in Vandalia, we too are responsible for the death, for the crucifixion of Jesus. Right? We had a part to play. We, in our own lives, have chosen death and corruption and rejected the author of life. There's a, a hymn, it's a worship song that sounds like a hymn, I don't know, by Stuart Town and it's called How Deep the Father's Love for Us that really captures this idea. And this is the, the second verse, says, Behold the man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. It's my sin that put him on the cross. It was, it was for my salvation that Jesus was, was willing to endure the pain and the shame of that place, to, to allow nails to be driven through his hands and his feet, to be whipped, to be put up on this cross, to, to suffocate. It was our sin that sent Jesus to the cross. Paul is very clear as he quotes uh, the, the Old Testament prophets in Romans 3.23, says, For all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us, we have a sin problem. All of creation has a sin problem, and there's nothing that we can do to solve it. We can't be good enough. We can't earn our way out of the the judgment that our sin deserves. But God, in his unfailing love was not willing to allow us just to to stay dead in our sins. But the reality is our our sin demanded judgment and it was only the blood of the, the sinless divine Son of God that could bear the penalty of our sins and the sins of all of creation. So he sent Jesus to be that penalty, to take on the penalty of our sin. And just as faith in Jesus' name healed that uh, lame man outside the, the temple gate called Beautiful, so when we put our faith in Jesus, we are healed spiritually. And good news, we can also be healed physically. That's why we pray for healing. It is this faith that, that saves us. And it moves us from this desert of, of sin where we're just scraping to get by into that beautiful green pasture where we can tap into our source and into our life again. Putting our faith in Jesus and in the blood of our Savior brings us back to the fountain of life. And Peter says, now fellow Israelites, so he's talking to this group of people here in the, in the temple in Jerusalem. He says, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Which is, seems pretty gracious, <laughs> considering what he has just said, that you guys purposely 
demanded Jesus be crucified. And as we look at the, the book of Acts, it seems that, that Caiaphas, the high priest, and these other guys were pretty much understood what they were doing. But Peter says, you guys acted in ignorance. Right? And this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Good news, guys. We're at our text. He says, verse 19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. We can experience these times of refreshing from the Lord. And all we need to do is repent and turn to God. Right? Repent means that we change our mind, to change one's mind, to change one's way of life uh, as, as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. That's a definition that I got. Uh, but to change one's mind is, means to, to turn direction. Right? Sin is it's like driving down uh, a one-way street the wrong way. Right? It's, it's difficult, and we need to choose to turn around and go, I'm going to go in the right direction. Or I'm at least going to stop going in this direction because it's not working. But then, not only do we repent of our sin to change our mind about sin, but we turn to God. Right? We're not, we can't just turn to anything. We have to turn to God. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way that we can tap back into these times of refreshing. And so, when we repent and we turn to God, we are kind of, you know, we're rejecting, we're, we're saying, I'm not going to align my thoughts with me as the center of my life anymore. I'm going to repent of that and I'm going to align myself with Christ. Kind of like what we talked about last week of learning to reorient ourselves as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And so, and so we can do that. We have this available to us. We don't have to live in the desert. We don't have to struggle to get by. We have a fountain of life that is that, that we can tap into and be filled with at any time. And just like the Israelites that Peter is, is talking to, we might have acted in ignorance too. The truth is, I did for many, many, many years. Right? I acted in ignorance. I actually grew up in the church, but I didn't realize who Jesus was. I didn't realize that he was the divine son of God, that he was my savior, that he was my source of life. I just thought he was a guy in a storybook. I don't know what I thought. But I rejected him. I, I turned my back on him. I just decided, I'm just going to live for myself and do whatever I want to do. But 25 years ago, God got my attention. He gave me another chance, right? He didn't reject me because I had rejected him. And through this robbery, it's a whole long story, I had this revelation, this realization that, man, I don't know where I fit in, in the kingdom of God, and I want to know. I want to, to step into that and know the, the truth and the love and the assurance that comes through faith in Jesus. And so I did that, and I've been here at New Day ever since, serving Jesus. And it's so good. And so when I repented, when I turned from my sin, when I uh, 
put my faith in Jesus, I immediately entered into these seasons, these times of refreshing. And sometimes I get dry, I get burned out, and I need to purposely turn my attention back to him and say, Lord, would you fill me up again? Would you let the, the river of life that is, lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit, would you just let me drink of that again? Would you refresh me? And so what do we do? What do we do with this? Well, I think there's, there could be three types of people here. There could be, you could be here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You never even thought about it. It was never part of your life and you don't know why you're here. You stumbled in. It was an accident. Uh, but I encourage you, you know, if that's you today, just in, you know, invite Jesus into your life. Repent of your sins and you can have your sins wiped away. You can be uh, white as snow. You can be cleansed. You can be brought into perfect relationship with the Father, not because you're good enough, not because you earned your way, but because he just loves you so much. He's waiting for you today. Or maybe you're here and you grew up in the church and you kind of just have always assumed that you were in. You know, I've gone to church, uh, you know, 80% of the Sundays of my life. Certainly I'm in, right? Well, the reality is that we all have to make a personal decision to follow Jesus. We each need to submit and say, God, I'm going to stop living for myself. I'm going to submit myself to you and live for you. And so if that is, is you today, and I encourage you to repent and turn to Jesus, to invite him in. Yeah. Or maybe you're here and you are a Christ follower, you know you are, you've been following him, but there's something in your life that you have not given up. There's some thing, maybe it's some hidden sin, maybe it's some you know, uh, worldview or ideas that don't line up with what God has revealed and what is the truth. I, and in that place where you are keeping the Holy Spirit out, where you're keeping God out, there, it's that place inside of you is dead and dying, right? And God wants to come in and bring life. He wants to restore hope and restore joy. You know, if you have not experienced the green pastures of the presence of God, maybe it's because there's something in your heart or your mind that you're holding back. And regardless of which one of these you are, I just encourage you today to, to put your faith in Jesus and f- step into life. Just like the, the lame man you know, uh, stood up and his ankles and feet became strong and he couldn't believe it. Right? He's dancing and jumping because he has been sitting at this gate for 40 years. And now he is alive. And that can happen to us. Spiritually, when we put our faith in Jesus, we can step into abundant life. And no longer are we stuck struggling with the sin and the despair and the emptiness and the the worry and the doubt of of sin, but we can step into the life of joy and peace and grace and comfort and assurance in the presence of God. So would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you. Jesus, we're so grateful that you would go to the cross. That you would suffer. And that you would die so that we could live. And Lord, this morning, we choose to take a step towards you. 
to repent of our sin, to turn away from this attitude of rejecting you and step into your truth and say, you are my source. You are my life. And I come to you. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I pray right now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on each one of us. That we could step into times of refreshing. Wow. Lord, if there's something that we're holding on to that we don't want to give to you, Lord, give us the, the grace to let that go. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We want to live for you every moment of every day for the rest of our lives. Amen, amen, amen.